Hello, this is AJ Roberts, 15-year British Forces veteran, entrepreneur, high-performance coach and loving father and husband. This podcast is for the motivated, for the inspired, for those looking to level up their lives through fitness, nutrition and their mindset. Welcome to The Best Version of You. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Version of You. I'm your host, AJ Roberts, and today I've got a very special guest in the form of Mr. Spencer Whiteley. A bit of background about Spencer. Spencer was a former soldier in the British Army. He unfortunately suffered a very nasty injury as a form of um, damage his leg and also his hand, and as well as sort of like multiple internal injuries. Spencer has since overcome those injuries, and rather than let himself get down and into a bad place, he's picked himself up, and he's now uh, a high-performing CrossFit athlete, as well as a high-performing CrossFit gym owner. Um, but without further ado, I'll pass you over to Spencer, so he can just tell you a little bit about himself. Yeah, so as AJ said, um, I was in the uh, army from sort of 16 years old, joined as a, a young lad, a young boy soldier, um, <clears throat> was having a pretty successful career in the army as a in the Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers. Um, and in 2007, 15th of uh, August 2007, I was serving in uh, Iraq, in Basra City, with uh, an infantry battalion, to the Royal Welsh. And uh, essentially, I got, um, I got pretty seriously injured um, by indirect fire, so we got attacked by uh, mortars, and uh, one landed at my feet um, and created some pretty serious uh, injuries. Essentially, um, it, I died twice on the Kazivak on the, on the way to hospital in the chopper, as it were. Um, injuries I sustained were um, loss of a lot of muscle mass on my right leg, on my quad from knee to hip, took about a third of my quad out. I had a femoral artery bleed out. <coughs> I had uh, my groin area was, I'll leave it at that, was pretty damaged. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, groin area was pretty damaged. Uh, internal um, lacerations to my stomach and lost a load of my bowel and intestines. Had shrapnel going to my ch- chest wall and um, puncture a lung. Um, had amputation of my right thumb um, and, and other sort of pepperings of shrapnel in my stomach and left leg as well so a lot of blood a lot of uh, time to bleed out and uh, but luckily I didn't died a couple of couple of times on the way in the chopper to the to the main operating base contingent operating base in uh, in Basra but pulled through uh, well <coughs> as you can uh, see there ladies and gents that's actually uh, quite remarkable that Spencer actually survived that ordeal and he's here with us today um, so Spence like obviously getting injured like that was like very, very unfortunate given the circumstances. You were just walking along and the next thing, bang. Yeah. Um, how did you, obviously, once you were sort of quasi vaxxed and you come to, and then you were flown <coughs> to UK and then you started the recovery, like, can you remember how you felt in those early stages of recovery at the time? Yeah, so um, it's kind of like a couple of like, like three, three stages I really think about in terms of like the immediate how I felt. So, <coughs> um, there's a thread of lucky and grateful right the way through it. 
no victim. Like just wow, how lucky am I? And grateful to the people that helped me out. You know, mm. to the chopper pilot that came in when we was under fire. You know, indirect fire still shouldn't have done that. You know, to some of my friends that helped me on the ground. You know, they were indirect fire coming in. So a lot of gratitude and a lot of luck. You know, mm. you know, I had a friend die out there who got one piece of shrapnel hit him in his chest wall, bled out. I just felt so lucky, you know, really, really lucky. And that was, and even, even like uh, landing a chopper, going to the theatre, kind of like waking up in the field hospital temporarily with some complications uh, and stuff, you know, detail I don't need to go into. But even that very point just felt lucky. Mm. And then uh, I was basically put into an induced coma to fly me back at sea level because of internal injuries and stuff. And I don't really remember much then to, for about because I was in intensive care for a week. I don't really remember much about that either um, in the induced coma. Um, but then again, immediately sort of waking up then in Selyuk Hospital in Birmingham after that week in intensive care, whatever, just like, fuck me, I'm lucky. <laughs> luck, luck, like yeah. gratitude. Um, no, like, feeling sorry for myself. None, never. Mm. Like, it didn't even cross my mind because I just felt jammy, like, really lucky. <laughs> And uh, there was other mixed emotions and stuff. And as my journey went on forward, you know, through essentially two years of, of well, recovery is ongoing now, right? but it, the immediate recovery in terms of uh, initial injury, then hospital for like a month or five weeks or something, and then um, rehabilitation at Headley Court, which is a military um, rehabilitation centre uh, in Surrey. Uh, more or less two years in Headley Court, like four weeks there, one week at home, mm. four weeks there. Um, all through that period, again, like lots of different sort of emotions, a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but mainly gratitude and sort of luck and a determination to um, to probably take advantage of having a second chance. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, oh, I can only imagine, and it was very, uh, very similar sort of in Mickey Yours recovery. I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, he said exactly yeah. the same thing. You know, I sort of sit there and feel the victim yeah. or can immediately feel that sort of big sense of gratitude and uh, just want to improve and sort of like yeah. you've got like more days ahead of you luckily yeah. um, so since then till now um, obviously you're doing really well for yourself like, but what would you say um, once you've gone past that sort of those levels of uh, recovery what would you say has been your biggest motivation for you moving forward to where you are now yeah so I think um <clears throat> The biggest motivation for me is not to take life for granted. Mm-hmm. It is my biggest motivator. And, um, and so I, I think when you get given a second chance, you hit a sort of a certain stage of reality that life is short. It, life really is short. And you need, to, uh, you need to just do what you need to do to give yourself the best sort of opportunities to move forward and best quality of life for yourself and your family. Um, that really motivated me to just... So, so when I come out of hospital, I, um, I kind of, uh, I was never not going to work. So I got to a stage where I could sort of walk uh, two years and I could sort of walk when I left hospital. Mm-hmm. I left the rehabilitation centre early because actually I started getting to a point where I was becoming negative and I recognised that. Right. So mm-hmm. I was being brought down a little bit by other people around me who didn't have that same level of motivation. There were so many inspirational people that I believe you've got to go and meet Mark Ornrod in a couple yeah, of years. Yeah. And spend some time with Mark in, in Headley Court. And loads of other people that are totally awesome and just absolutely in a much worse condition than me. 
and, and just grabbing life by the sort of grabbing the ball by the horns as it were and just going for it mm. but there's, there was a culture of also people kind of like sitting back on the laurels a bit and almost not wanting to recover thinking about the conversation culture things like that that actually started to annoy me and bring me down yeah. so, and, and I'd done two years don't get me wrong and I'd had enough so mm. I started to feel negative so I thought I need to get myself out of this scenario essentially discharged myself early and then I was medically discharged from the army so at that point I'm like uh, okay now I'm 30 years old um, I had a pretty you know I had a good career ahead of me what the hell am I going to do now and, I, and the first time I met you was my first job um, outside of the army which mm. put me at an army child development unit yeah. sort of and I just hated every minute of it I like the guys, <laughs> but I, I left. I had to leave the military, and I didn't want to leave the military. Yeah. I came to terms with that, and then I just never ever wanted to not be able to provide for the family, so I had to have a job, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had to go away and uh, and work, you know, sort of away um, down near Weymouth, and I was away for the week and back at home, and I didn't particularly enjoy the work. It was like a step back from what I did, and also like the whole piece of me wanting to take advantage and, and live life to the full that doesn't didn't tick the boxes, you know, being away from my family all week. Yeah, of course, yeah. So... <clears throat> you doing enough of that in the army, didn't Yeah, you? exactly. <laughs> and so I was done with that. So, again, to cut a really long story short, I bumped into an amazing old friend of mine called Sean Anders, who was in the military zone. He was one of my bosses when I was younger. And we played rugby together and really clicked and got on well. And uh, he, he, he um, had a great job in London, having got out of the army. And he, was, he got it through a headhunter. And so he introduced me to this headhunter who um, got me uh, some opportunities with uh, the business that I work for now. I work, um, I've got two jobs. I run a gym. Well, my wife runs a gym, but we own a gym. Mm. And, I, um, <clears throat> and I also work for Thames Water. I'm a regional manager now. I've worked my way up through the last few years. Well, nearly eight years now. So now mm. I'm a regional manager at Thames Water as well, which is busy. But um, so, yeah, I, I went to the headhunter, saw him, got given the opportunity, went for an interview, got offered three jobs. And so my career's built from there. So there's like two sides to my career. We've got like the sort of engineering, Thames Water side of things, and then the coaching, box owner, athlete, da-da-da side of things. So it's just totally split. That, to me, well, to me, from the outside looking in, that looks like quite a good balance because like morning or night, yeah. it's kind of a good way to, you've had a pretty rough day at work, and then mm. you literally come straight back to your other passion product yep. which is your gym and then you can just relieve straight away release all of that sort of stress that you might have had yeah. uh, and get your training done um, so I mean yeah you've done pretty well for yourself there yeah I may have drifted a bit from the what was the question it was about motivate what motivates mm. you wasn't it so I suppose what 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 motivate so what motivates me now is um, w- when I so having left rehabilitation in that job and going to a second job Actually, my, um, <clears throat> I was still hobbling around a bit. I still wasn't great. I still wasn't fully recovered. And I, um, my wife, Tony, she, she said to me, she's a uh, PT and looking to branch out and stuff like that. And she said, um, and we're living in Andover, where we live now. So I'm just going to go and check this gym out. And there may be some opportunities there. And there's a CrossFit gym in the town. So do you want to come along sort of thing? And I was like, I've always been into fitness. I've always been fit. I've been a PTI in the army, played a decent level of rugby and everything. It's always just part of my life. And, um, <clears throat> and so um, I went along with her and I walked in this gym and there was just people doing like pull-ups and throwing weights around and although I knew I wouldn't be able to do that immediately I just thought this looks good this looks like sort of military PT sort of thing mm. and then to, again to cut a long story short I got into it 
and it was like rehab for me. It was like rehabilitation. So you know, building up to learn to be able to sort of squat and building up to sort of just be able to move properly and function again. And then, um, so that motivated me just to get better at each thing. So there's a constant like drip of motivation physically. And then at work, I was motivated to be that. At work, as in terms of, I was motivated to be that provider. I really wanted to make a second crack, a second career, and not be a failure, really. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of two of the things that motivated me initially um, <clears throat> the first couple of years after injury. But I think my motivations have changed now. I think, um, I think about three years after we joined that, or two years after, we ended up branching out and opening our own gym. So my wife runs it on a, like a daily basis as a manager. But I, we have, we're joined, I have a lot of input in like the programming and the coaching as well. And, uh, and the business side, we should sort of share that. And, uh, and to make driving the success of the gym is really, really important to me as well. Because, and, and Tony, because as a team, we just, we're passionate about it and we mm -hmm. love it. And um, we really, really, really want to share how much we've got out of sort of fitness with other people. Yeah. And, and that's what drives us really to, to do what we enjoy, do what we love, and really, really help other people progress. That's no, awesome. Um, it's cool. It's and, cool. It, and from experience, that and as a gym goer, that's exactly what you want to get from a gym. Yeah. But if you're in that environment, you know, and we, we say all the time, like a lot of the time, you become a product of the environment that you're in. Yeah. And if you're going to a gym that has that enthusiasm, that drive, that passion that starts from the top, from you and Tony in this instance, yeah. it really, really sort of cascades down to the members, which is which is exactly what you want. Yeah. And then you've always got a happy gym. Yeah. Um. So. During that period, um, up, well, probably up till now, really, would you say there's been any particular um, internal challenges that have really sort of um, maybe, maybe like held you back from certain things or yeah. stopped you going for certain things or internal challenges that you've really overcome well yeah. and, uh, and then are doing stuff now in particular as a result? Yeah. So, <clears throat> internal I find, I think I'm really blessed. I think I've... I'm going to go back to the word lucky, whatever, right? Resilient. <laughs> Call it what you like, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of, I, I have been so lucky. I, I haven't suffered badly with, like, mental health issues off the back of, like, my injuries and stuff like that. I, I don't think I have. Maybe I will in the future. And it's not like a, a proud badge to say that. Mental illness happens to anyone. It can affect mm -hmm. anyone. But I just haven't. Uh, I've been close at times. I've got a little bit down. But I don't think, I don't think I've ever really suffered with it. And I think a lot of that is because of the positivity sort of people around me as well and, and stuff like that. So in terms of internal battles, the main internal battle I have is about balance. Mm -hmm. So I, one of the major drivers that I felt so lucky for, one of the things I felt so great for is looking for the brighter side of things off the back of my injuries. I saw it as an opportunity. I, I would probably still be in the army now and I'd have been commissioned probably and I'd be, you know, off on tour and doing things and all that. And although I love the army, I'm so glad I'm not. Mm -hmm. I just love my life now. It's yeah, so yeah. much better, right? But I, I could have been, I could have easily been that sort of still in the army doing my thing, not really watching many people. And one of the massive things that I really am grateful for is the opportunity that Morgan was like three at the time when I got injured. Oh, maybe it was four or five. I can't remember. But um, but I got to watch him grow up, like, mm -hmm. literally. So I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have had so much of an opportunity to do that yeah. had it not happened to me. And also, um, you know, actually spending more time with Tony and being, you know, more like a normal married couple because unfortunately the military's hard, you know, yeah. for married couples and stuff like that. So again, I'm always conscious of being lucky to have that opportunity, 
And, but at the same time, as I've explained, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very driven to make a success of the gym, as is Tony. Very driven to make a success of what I do at work for Thames Walk, because I love it. It's a brilliant business to work for. Mm. And so, balance in terms of who misses out. Does, do I give enough time to Tony and Morgan? And do, do they, and likewise, you know, do mm. we interact enough as a family? Because people see us in the gym all the time, we're working. Yeah. And Morgan might be doing a workout or he might be home. And it's, we've got, it's sometimes that quality time is hard to get. And sometimes I've felt you might feel a little bit guilty that, oh, am I putting too much time into my training in the gym? Or am I getting that balance right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that is something that I battle with a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I try to make that balance and only Tony will tell you if it's wrong. But I, I think it's fairly decent. So, yeah. And, and there's an, another little... No, so, having progressed actually in, in the sort of sport of CrossFit, as it were, to do that, you, have to, you do have to be a little bit obsessive and you do have to be a little bit selfish and you do have to train extra hours. And when you're not training, when you're not doing an hour and a half, two hours a day, along with your day job coaching and all mm. the rest, then you've got to do half an hour's mobility, you've got to do, get your nutrition right, you've got to do this and that. And I'm super lucky that Tony's into it. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't do it. If Tony wasn't into it, I couldn't do it. Because yeah. it would be so selfish of me if she mm. never came to the gym yeah. and I was always here. If she wasn't interested in clean, healthy and that. And if she didn't find it okay that I'm going to stretch for half an hour. She even massages me. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It works brilliantly together. And so the fact we c makes it easier. But I'm still conscious of the balance. That's, is nah, that's uh, <clears throat> That is awesome. And then, like, going back to what you said about, like, Morgan and that and leaving the military, you know, mm. I can totally relate to that. Like, since I've been out of the military... Haven't missed a single one of my boys' games. It's awesome, um, and I've watched him develop into like a phenomenal athlete, like, yeah. so to speak, and and because of the commitment that, that his coaches have shown him as well, which has been absolutely superb. And I would, we would have missed all that, like yeah. being away. Um, so I do obviously feel for the guys <coughs> and friends that are still in, but um, yeah, it does it does feel good being on today, one hundred percent, because it's, it's amazing. Like that that child is yours, you know. And it's one of the sacrifices that you don't you don't people don't like think so much about like military families. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, as a military family, you probably don't think about it as much until you've seen the seen the other side of things, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one of the biggest debts of gratitude we should have to certain personnel, especially with families, is those that you know that there is a sacrifice being made. You know, yeah, yeah, big oh, sacrifice, especially at times like Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. yeah the guy, the guys and girls do <coughs> a, a great job. Um, going from when you left Headley Court to being in the, being heavily involved in sort of like the CrossFit Games, almost almost getting to the CrossFit Games on what one, one last year's last four year? spots off, yeah, yeah, four spots <laughs> off, like getting to the CrossFit Games. Um, would you say as a master, by the way, as a <laughs> forty plus? You wouldn't think so. Um, <laughs> was there any sort of key failures along the way? Yeah, constant failures. That, so. um, <clears throat> sort of any key ones that spring to mind? Like, if so, like how did you sort of overcome them? Yeah. So um, yeah. So constant failures on a, on a sort of weekly daily basis i think you have to have a growth mindset in order mm -hmm. to be any good at like any height any sport right if you just if you're not open to sort of um learning learning from your mistakes etc and, and building upon that you're, you're in a bit of trouble you're, you're not really going to go anywhere um so uh, to pick out one particular example is tough but um you know there's been examples where 
I don't know, I, I was lifting heavy one time and just got it all wrong and essentially broke my ankle. Well, I sprained my ankle pretty bad and um, that sort of was an opportunity to sort of learn and grow from that and focus on other things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while I wasn't unable to sort of do certain things, like lots of movement patterns because of my ankle was injured, um, you know, I spent the next three months getting absolutely strong as health in my upper body <laughs> with strict gymnastics and, and loads of pressing movements and stuff like that so even when there's a little bit of a sort of failure or something that's gone wrong you need to turn that into an advantage like yeah. you need to even if it's just a learning experience like and it's a mental advantage that you're going to battle through and mm -hmm. get mentally tougher you can't lose there's no you can't if you're learning you're winning yeah like, and, I like and that. so you are you are mm -hmm. it's true so You've got to take everything, okay, day one when you sprain your ankle, you're not jumping around going, awesome, I'm glad this happened to me. Yeah. Right? But you should embrace it. And like the next day when you calm down a bit, and you're, oh, I can't do this tomorrow or the next week, I might have to bin that competition now. On the growth mindset, the bigger scheme of things, you're going to be a better guy for it. Mm. Yeah, and just take that. Yeah, and well, I mean, that's a prime example um, right there, given all the coaching that you're doing, that the best learners are the best teachers. Yeah. And likewise, the best teachers are the best learners. Yeah. That's something I've found over the years. Absolutely. And being sort of self-critical and, and being open to it. I mean, <laughs> some people, like my wife, she might think, oh, he doesn't take it criticism very well. I think it's just because it's coming from her, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I do. I do, I, I do take note. And, I, you know, I film a lot of what I do because I haven't got a coach, as it were. You know? mm -hmm. And I'm very self-critical about what I do in, in trying to be, be better. And we always need help from our prying eyes and we always need help from other coaches. Um, you know, and every and at least once a year, I'll go away and take myself on a, you know, in front, put myself in a position like with specialists to make me better. You know, because I, I I'm not ignorant enough to think I can do it all on my own. No, that, that, that's good. Uh, <coughs> I I believe everyone needs a coach uh, yep. and a mentor of some yep. form. Um, I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger said it himself. You know, nobody's self-made. No, nobody. It's like, there's always always the someone that needs that little input, isn't there? Yeah. You, yeah, it's and if you think you can. I think you need to take a chill, check back and actually reassess what you're doing. Oh, you're wrong. No, yeah. one's, no one's entirely self-made. Everyone's got a mum. Everyone's got a friend. Everyone's had a coach. Every, you know, some people are pretty awesome and do a lot themselves, but no one's self-made. No. Yeah. And um, off the back of all that, obviously, you've experienced like, a hell of a lot, like, more than most people. What would you say has been your biggest achievement up till now? Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough on that so are you talking what in in life or in sporting sort of yeah i'd say just, just in life in general um <clears throat> i think it's um i think it's i think it's like the, the i think it's the business i think it's the business here i think it's um the fact that really myself and um myself and my wife and tony sort of jumped in with two feet um, not knowing anything about running a business. But it's not a really complex business model, owning a gym. It's not. It's not. Like, <laughs> you pretend it is all you like, it isn't. Mm. Like, you have paying members come in the door, that earns you a certain amount of revenue, and you, you know, perform a certain level of service, classes, etc. And it's, you know, it's not logistically difficult, it's not loads of, you know, it's more about, it's basic numbers, right? And then, but the, the science behind it is, is retaining new members, okay? So that's the science behind it. It's not a complex business model. Yeah. The science behind it is, 
encouraging people to come in the door and retain the members. But I, I still, even with a small operation like we are, because we're, we're limited to how many members we could have, you know, we're sort of capped at around about 100, which we hang around at yeah. the time, you know, due to capacity, size, and all the rest. Mm-hmm. And it's a good model for us. It financially, it, it works really well for us. It's a good, it's good, it works for us. And um, it's about, like, what, what, what I'm most proud of, I suppose, is like today, for example, when we did um, a workout, you know, there's 18 people in for Saturday morning class, doing a workout, and then when the workout finished, um, the gym wasn't empty. It's not like the leisure centre. Yeah. When people didn't shoot out the door, there was a group of people sat, you know, here, chatting, talking shit, and having a bit of a laugh. Some people upstairs having a coffee and a brew. Some people want to do a little bit more training, sort of over there. And that's, you just look around and think, yeah, we're nailed. <coughs> that's good. Done the class. Yeah. And then the people want to hang around. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice though. <laughs> that's retention. That's yeah. what brings, that's what brings people in the door. Yeah. Because people talk about, oh, my gym's great. I love my gym. Like, and that, we don't advertise. They're the best referrals, anyway. aren't they? Yeah. And referrals is king, as yeah. we know. It's, we do uh, a bit of social media, just very amateur, like, me every now and then, my phone or something, you know, some po- pictures or whatever. Shut off, yeah. Whatever, yeah. It's all about, it's all about word of mouth, and this, yeah. this business, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, and um, it's, it's part of most people's way of life now, is like there's some form of gym or club or yeah. class that someone goes yeah. to, so it's imperative, and you know, anyone listening to this who's looking to start a PT business or start up a gym or stuff like that, these are the key things that you need to think about, is like, how are you going to get your members or clients talking about you and your services? Um, so what would you, if, if you could go back in time, and uh, when I say back in time, I only mean a short while to yeah. a 16-year-old Spence. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, you could, if you could sit down and talk to him like you're talking to me now, what, what kind of things would you say to him? Oh, man. Other than, like, what's your step and all that kind of stuff? I think... Um, yeah, I think I'd tell him to, uh, <coughs> I led a, I, I a pretty, at 16 I joined the army and within two years I was uh, sort of in Germany, like drinking too much, smoking, yeah. uh, just, look, living a great life, like I was young, free, single, but literally the excesses were just stupid, I, I was playing rugby and loving that and the thing I'd say now is just like, just do that. It's important, but a little bit less. Like you yeah, could be yeah. a better rugby player if you did a bit less of that. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, I was always fit. I, you know, I was like the, one of the fittest guys. I was, but imagine if I didn't smoke 20 fags a day. It makes me shudder now. Like, yeah. ah. And then like, yeah, I'd literally drunk four times a week or five times a week. And I, I just wish that, um, although, you know, it's part of growing up and all this, you know, um, I did that for a good 10 years and I just think it's a bit of a waste I, I, I wouldn't knock it on the head <laughs> it's yeah. had great times travelled the world played rugby all over the place met some great people awesome friends you know no, no one got hurt you know but I, I wish I just could tell that a little bit put a little bit of money aside bought a property a little bit earlier all the good stuff that mm. your, your dad would say yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'd take myself because I've, I've had a pretty blessed life I've had a great life a great time in Madrid travelled the world met my wife had my son like brilliant but I'd, I'd have knocked it back a gear or two, like, in the yeah. early days. Yeah, and um, look, I, I think we're very, very similar in that respect. And I've had conversations with my wife about this, like, loads. And towards the end of my army career, I was just constantly hammering the guys mm. about that kind of thing, you know. 
just keep a bit of money behind yeah. instead of like a, just a bit yeah instead, don't be boring yeah, <laughs> instead of spending <clears throat> your money and saving what you've got left save your money and then spend spending what you got, bit, spending yeah. what you got left yeah. um, but I mean you probably didn't have people giving you that advice when you were that young and I, I know I didn't no. um, so yeah that's definitely something um, I, I, I regret not doing as well yeah. um, so moving forward what, uh, what are you up to now so, you know, my, uh, <clears throat> again, sort of, you know, career outside of sort of the business, great, looking to, actually, a little bit on that, I, I, my whole life I've driven hard, right, um, at being successful, so I very quickly got promoted in the army, you know, Lance Corporal, Corporal, I was a, um, a staff sergeant quite young, like, under the age of 30 and all that, and that was relatively quick, always been successful with, like, I don't know, at school I was a prefect, and then, I, you know, I got ranked fairly quickly, and then I did well at leadership stuff. I, when I played rugby, I was, you know, sometimes I was, I was often the captain. And, you know, so, I, you know, I did, I've always been quite driven, and always pushed quite hard, and uh, we'll go back to balance. So, again, when I started my job at Thames Water, I was driving, driving, driving to do well. And, essentially, in, in sort of, in, in a five-year period, I went from being like a, you know, like a, a supervisor slash sort of manager. And now I'm a regional manager with a team of 60 running the, you know, pump stations for the whole of Thames Valley. And that doesn't mean much to people. But what I'm saying is I drove and drove and drove even into that new career. And where I am right now is a little bit different. So again, my, my manager now is kind of driving me saying, what's the next move? And, and, and for the first time in my life, um, this last year is I've stopped driving that forward. And, and I'll tell you why, because I'm in a comfortable place, not lazy, but a comfortable place where I'm like really happy with my team at work, really happy with them. I feel like I'm becoming a real expert at what we do. And whilst I'm balancing the gym and my own training and my own pursuits and my family life, I'm very happy at the place where um, I am outside of work. Now, I could have got promoted again and be earning another X amount of grand, you know, but I, I, I don't need it. And so I'm, I'm at a place where I'm going to talk about balance again, where I'm really balanced, like in, in that side of work. Um, and this side of sort of my life in terms of gym lifting, I think it's going pretty well. And like I said, our, our membership number is good and people seem to be enjoying it. And I feel pretty balanced there. So it's all about the, the middle piece of like joint all together with the family, keep making sure we try and do enough with the missus and Nipper. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a fairly <clears> balanced place. And then, and then athletically, like on a, from a more selfish perspective, I had my first year last year competing as a 40 plus master and I had like <clears throat> two main, three main, uh, I had like two goals. One was to do as well as I could like worldwide in the CrossFit Opens and, and like a outside shot, could I make it to the CrossFit Games? So I don't know if you listeners, some perspective. I think there was about, someone will correct me on this one, I might get it wrong, but there's certainly over 30,000 in my age group, in my category last year and I ended up 24th. Wow. Um, and I was pleased with that. I'm really pleased with that. Um, and then and, and then my second, so it was to do well in the Opens and maybe trying to get games. I missed that, but I'm still proud of what I did. Um, and then I wanted to go into Europe and there probably three of the biggest competitions and knocking about in Europe and seeing if I could do well at that as well. Earn a bit of money, have a nice time away. And I did that. I, I won two major European competitions, and you know, and um, 
I should have won three. I really fucked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> to say that is disrespectful to the people that beat me. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have won. I'd have made a mistake. I yeah. deserved to not win. But yeah, I, so yeah, that, that that was great. And uh, this year, similar. So the opens is a little different bit of a format this year. Similar numbers that have entered. Um, and you know, I'd li- I'd like to try and perform to the same sort of level. Unfortunately, the CrossFit Games now, without getting too much detail, it's reduced the number of people that go now from twenty in my category to ten. So it's like probably slightly unachievable for me with work and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's cool. I'll just try and do my best there. And then I want to go into Europe again and do um, and do three competitions again in Europe and oh. uh, see if I can, like, you know, maybe try and podium again or really do well there. But, I mean, from, from, from someone like myself, <coughs> like, looking in, uh, who knows you, and then even guys who are watching and listening to this now, um, to go through the injuries that you went through, and even to your hand, I mean, obviously where you obviously lost your thumb as well, to be able to compete in something like uh, CrossFit events all around the world and have those, in, in essence, kind of disabilities compared to like everybody else to yeah. a point, you've got, especially with grip. Yeah, there's adaptation, um, so there's a lot of grip involved in what we do. There's a lot of work, yeah. a lot of work on the bars and there's just adaptation that needs to happen. Mm. What I need, it's not actually my biggest issue, like my, my thumb, um, although it's fucking pretty important to have a good grip. Yeah. Um, you can work, I've worked around it, right? Um, you know, on some things like snatching, I, I wear a, 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 um, a, a strap, which helps. But um, actually, my legs, the condition of my legs is worse. When you've got no sort of internal part of your quad and things like that, in sport that's heavily dominated by weightlifting and squatting and things like that, it's tough. And, and, and I can get a lot of pain in, in there and stuff. Mm. And the imbalance is created. I've got a big leg leg deficiency because I, I obliterated my right femur as well, so that's just metal now. Yeah. bit of scaffolding around it so leg leg deficiency all that sort of stuff creates way more issues than my thumb like it, it, it like I, I have to see a mum missus like I'm really lucky that she does my sports uh, massage she's good and she helps me out a lot with imbalances I see like an uh, osteopath I see a chiropractor I used to see a chiropractor now I see an osteopath I see a physio probably more than most people um, I do I stretch out more than most people so like I have to do more I just have to do more but so what like, it's all good. It's um, it's part of the process, isn't it? It's all yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. It's just like making the best of what you got, and um, yeah, yeah. And that is a big motivator as well. Sometimes it's just one of the one of the reasons I survived. I tell you now, I used to train with a guy called Mark Hughes out on tour. <laughs> good lad, and a couple of other guys. And uh, we used to have a load of banter in the sort of gym that we'd get in there. And we was on like a, I was big and strong, like and. Uh, and fit, really fit. I've, I've always been fit. And uh, the doctors said without a shadow of a doubt, the only reason you're alive is because you were in such good nick, really. Really? Um, so that's been mm. a massive motivator that I forgot to talk about earlier as well. To get back to peak physical condition, you can have a car crash tomorrow mm. that does the same sort of thing to you. So you should be looking to make yourself as resilient as possible. And when you, especially when you get a second chance at life, why, why would you squander that? Like, Mm. You need to be resilient. You need to like eat fairly well, you know, and you need to, you know, take take care of yourself because take advantage of that second chance. That's one of my biggest motivators. Well. Well, and you only get that one body. Yeah. It didn't start like this. It's like I say when I walked into that gym first. It start. It was more about like just I need to get fit again. You know, I've been in fucking wheelchairs and on crutches for two years. Yeah. So I need to be fit again. And then you know, over a year, that sort of passion grew. Oh, I can get better at mm. things. I, I could never compete. You know, no chance. And then, like, you continue and continue and, and actually become obsessed with it. Yeah. It is the truth. Become obsessed. 
Like, not healthy for everyone, but you know, I'm obs- I was obsessive about it because once I got, and I wasn't like this before, remember, but I suppose once I realized I need to take advantage of things and try my very best at stuff with this second chance, I can easily become a, like more dedicated or committed or more obsessed easier. I don't know, for example, I couldn't do a muscle up. So I spent like, and I hear people in the gym now go, oh, I can't do a muscle up. A year later, I still can't do a muscle up. I'm like, I've got a low tolerance level for that. Because when I couldn't do a muscle up, I did them every day till my hands fell off. Like, <laughs> all the skin fell off my hands. And I was like, I'm getting there. Like, yeah. when I couldn't double under, when I couldn't skip, right? I, uh, I skipped every day. I skipped so much that I pulled both my calves and gave myself headaches, tension <laughs> headaches for doing this. Because like, if you want to do something, you've got to put the effort in. Yeah. And, uh, and I know they're just like, Examples, but it washes through to everything. It's not all about the physical side of things. It washes through to anything, doesn't it? Yeah. If you want to be good at your job, you better like practice it. If you want to, you know, you better work harder. You better put the effort in. Like, if you if you truly want to be great, yeah. you've got to obsess about stuff a bit. Yeah, and good things <clears throat> come to those who work their ass off. Yeah, absolutely. As, as the saying goes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for all the viewers, uh, CrossFit fans out there, people that. Uh, would be interested to find out a bit more about you, a bit more about CrossFit Blockhouse. Um, where where can people find you? So um, so CrossFit Blockhouse is on um, is on Instagram. It's a bit of a poor feeling Instagram, if I'm really honest. Uh, CrossFit Blockhouse is, um, but we, you know where a CrossFit Blockhouse is all is on Facebook, um, and we obviously have a members page, but that's closed. But we have a CrossFit Blockhouse page. Um, <coughs> uh, so yeah, that is mainly on Facebook, and we've got a website as well. Just www.crossfitblockhouse.co.uk, and then the, obviously it's just CrossFit Blockhouse on the Facebook mm-hmm. page, and it's CF Blockhouse on Instagram, uh, and then myself, <coughs> I have a uh, Instagram page, Spencer Whiteley. I put I put most of my like gym stuff on there um, because I think that's the platform for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't like hammering my Facebook. Um, I haven't got a, a separate athlete pro- profile or anything on Facebook, so I don't hammer my Facebook because it just. I've got friends that aren't into this and I don't want to dis- destroy their lives. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> putting it's, constant... Like, they're they're you know, not your audience, are they? They're not my audience, yeah. no. And so, um, really Instagram, yeah. anything about me or my training and that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I'm very lucky as well to be supported in my training through a couple of really cool companies like GLC2000 who helped me out massively with my joint because I need a bit of extra support on mm. some of my joint stuff. Brilliant supplement, glucosamine supplement. And then... My clothing with a company called Nasty Lifestyle being really kind to me and paid for me to go to some of these competitions and help support me in some of that as well, as well as GLC 2000. So I'm just really blessed as well that I get a little bit of support in my training as well. Yeah, no, that's like that. Yeah, it's cool. It's really, really cool, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, it just it just makes it like, a little bit nicer. It's like having a, I suppose it's like with the clothing, it's like having a uniform like being in a part of a rugby team or something. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the supplement stuff is brilliant because I need it. Yeah. <laughs> And I, you know, so it's great, and um, yeah, it's all on Instagram, and I post on there at least three or four times a week. Um, yeah, I don't drive it like insanely, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. And uh, <coughs> for those who are interested, I will be putting all Spencer's uh, tags and everything like that in the show notes, um, so you'll be able to find them there. Um, well, to that end, mate, um, I can't do anything else but like applaud everything you've done. Yeah up until now and I just want to say it's been an absolute honour having you on the show it's been a pleasure and um, yeah man uh, everything you're doing moving forward um, I'll be following and I hope everyone else will yeah likewise likewise interested to see how it all goes turns out for you yeah yeah it's interesting stuff you're doing so ladies and gents there you can clearly see another example 
of somebody who's come through adversity and come out on top because they've done nothing but look at the positive side of things, the power of positive thinking. And Spencer has shown again today how you can become the best version of you. Cool. That was good, mate. I enjoyed that.